Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome again, and thank you for joining us wherever you may be listening and on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Today's topic is going to be about playing fast, but at the same time, also playing efficiently and also playing smart. I'm pretty sure all coaches want to be scoring a lot of points and they want to be creating a lot of scoring opportunities, but also balancing at the same time that they want to be smart, they want to be efficient, and they want to be going about that and accomplishing that goal, going about it the right way. So to help bring insight into how to achieve this, I'm happy to be joined by Coach Randy Edens. Coach, how are you today? Good, how are you? I am doing very well, and I'm, and I'm very much looking forward to getting to this topic. I, you know, we all want to score a lot, but we want to be smart about it, want to make sure that we're doing it the right way and in the most efficient way possible. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, but, no question. Absolutely. But before we get into that, Coach, like I do with every guest of mine, I want to make sure that our listeners know your journey, your basketball journey, your coaching journey, where you've been, where it's taken you, and where it is you're currently at now. Sure. So I, um, man, well, as a player, I was terrible. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say I was a byproduct of a, of a really good class of, of boys basketball players. But in reality, the, the more I distanced myself from it, I wasn't very good. I actually, believe it or not, was more of a distance runner. I was a cross country and track guy um, at a division one, uh, or a couple of division one programs that actually started at Eastern Washington University and then ended up Washington State. And, um, but didn't, didn't deviate from my passion for the game and certainly wanted to coach the game and so on and so forth. So, but my first, uh, first job was a seventh grade boys job at a middle school here in, in Marysville, Washington. And then, um, did that for a year. And I, in fact, was going to come back for a second. And then, uh, we'd actually had tryouts. Our middle school started a little bit earlier than our high school programs here in the area. Uh, and then a freshman girls job opened up, uh, at the local high school and, I had actually already made teams for the middle school and got asked to kind of take that job and uh, got into the girls game there for a few years. Uh, the middle school is going to be fine, you know, going with, with the person that they had, you know, just in place, they understood kind of the circumstances and situation. And, and that was kind of my first influence into the high school program. Um, it was actually at the high school that I graduated from, Marysville Pilchuck. So I, you know, had some, some connections there and, and wanted to be back and, and so on and so forth. So I got myself immersed into the girls program. Certainly always knowing I wanted to be a head coach and then um, ended up actually, and for me professionally, probably was the best move that I made, moved up to um, doing boys at the high school level as a varsity assistant and JV boys coach for a couple of years up at Burlington Edison High School. And uh, it was great. A lot of, a lot of what we use in, a, in the girls program here at Lake Stevens comes from actually those couple of years there. And it allowed me to see the game in a totally different perspective, allowed me to grow professionally, allowed me to step back as a coach of my own program and just be an assistant yeah. and really just kind of open my eyes to that. And that was certainly just a massive thing for me. But at the same time, still kind of looking for that opportunity as a head, head coach. And, right. and then um, eventually got uh, to an opportunity at Lake Stevens High School. In fact, um, it was my second opportunity or chance to interview for the, for the girls' job. In fact, a couple years prior, 
they just chose to stay in the building and I was still teaching at a different high school and, and everybody does that. Mm-hmm. But I actually come back full circle, six other interviews and opportunities later, came back full circle to Lake Stevens, got the job and uh, have been there ever since and looking into uh, year 16 here shortly. And um, it's been, uh, it's been a tremendous ride so far. Yeah, time flies. I'm sure those 16 <laughs> years have probably flown by, you know, blinking and all of a sudden here you are with all, with all these years under your belt. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. No question about it. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, 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 it's, and it's interesting you mentioned this because as a few people, not only who I've talked to outside of interviews, but in interviews themselves has talked about how much they benefited from being an assistant and just working under somebody else and kind of seeing the game from that viewpoint. Right. Seems to have benefited a lot of people and seems to be your case as well. Yeah, no, I, I would say, um, you know, the biggest thing, you know, obviously get to, you know, as a freshman coach in a high school program, you know, traditionally, you know, they do the, the ninth graders and maybe don't connect themselves with the high school team. But, but knowing that I wanted to be head coach eventually, I certainly think that helped, mm-hmm. but I needed a different uh, perspective. And obviously, you know, gender, you know, played into that a little bit, but yeah. just to kind of see the game differently, uh, the game was so much faster at the boys level. Uh-huh. Um and you know kind of forced my hand in terms of how can we you know ultimately how can we play that fast and efficiently at the girls level or at least try to come close mm-hmm. um you know and could we you know ultimately could we can we mm-hmm. find ways to do so and but it was just so monumental for just my growth and and um you know, just understanding the game i think a little bit better you know so much is of the game is instinctual it should be if you're playing it you know well without overthinking it yeah and um, while girls love to be coached, at the same time, you got to give them enough freedom to play too. And I, I think that really, really helped. And, and again, I think has driven a lot of what we're doing here uh, at Lake Stevens. Yeah, uh, that, that's a great point about, you know, especially for me and anybody who's like coaching the girls game, there are some things you see in the boys game and you're like, oh, I wonder like if I can incorporate that or you see right. how much quicker it goes. And you're like, I wonder if there's parts of this or a lot of this that I can take and make work for me so yeah i've been in the same boat as you with that so sure i'm looking forward to getting into that um one of the things that you and i uh ha- had a conversation about before this interview is you talked to me and you're on you're on year 16 now and in this particular program and mm-hmm. you talked about how your mindset now is that less is more but at the same time you also said that you don't want to be the coach who is outworked so how are how do you go about making sure that you're not being outworked but at the same time also adhering to that like less is more mentality right that's a good question i i think early on um you know when you get that first opportunity you know as a head coach it's kind of like one of those you know to some degree finally and at the same time you know you want to make the most of the opportunity that's in front of you um Mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of us you know have maybe have ventures of maybe wanting to pursue and, and go to the game as far as you possibly can but you can't do that unless you take care of what's in front of you, at least initially. And so I think a lot of it was driven from, you know, I'd gotten essentially denied six times and the seventh time I finally got an opportunity. So I wanted to make sure I maximized the chance that was there and see kind of where this, this took me. And, and ultimately I just kind of felt like if I'm working as hard as I possibly can to help my young ladies be successful and put them in those positions of success, we're going to have success. And, um, you know, I think what happened, especially in those, maybe those first five years in particular was, you know, year one, there's so much to do. You're creating your own templates, your identity, your philosophy, your culture, you're having to adjust if it's functional, is it not functional? You know, there's so much 
fluidity to, you know, kind of what you're shaping, developing as a program. And then, you know, you got to pick and pull and weed out what's, you know, excessive and what, you know, is functional. And then also make sure, making sure you have a little bit of a balance in your own lives, you know, at, at home for myself, we had just had a, uh, you know, a brand new baby and, and we were living quite a ways away. And, and, you know, there were some nights after games where I'm wondering how I got home, you know, I just kind of doing the old head bob because you're trying to stay awake. And, and again, oh, yeah. those are kind of those cues that, man, am I, am I taking on too much? And then at the same time, am I giving my young ladies too much and, and hat piling on? Whereas maybe they're kind of frozen to a point where they're, they're overthinking too much instead mm -hmm. of just playing the game. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate in a situation where when I took over, I was allowed to make those mistakes as a, as a head, young head coach because we had a decent amount of talent and we were going to win games. And so my priority became, okay. And I, at the time I was, I was teaching off campus. Um, and so my priority at practice during the season and then certainly with summer basketball for us in June, which is traditionally what we do here in Washington is, you know, how can I establish these relationships with these young ladies? You know, how can I prioritize, that I care about them as people and individuals, not just out on the basketball court for two hours a day right. during the winter season, but yeah. you know, what they want to pursue is as student athletes and young women and, and so on and so forth. And that I think really allowed me some perspective to kind of make sure I'm not so overbearing that it's dominating other aspects of their own life. And then I needed to look at it from my own personal perspective too, because it was. And so as, as the years have kind of gone on, I've realized, okay, we've got a template in place of how we want to play, what our principles and expectations are as, as a program. And at the same time, this is such a small component of who you are as an individual in your lives. Uh, you know, we want to use this as a template to make you, you know, responsible young adults and, and, and moms and wives and, and so on and so forth. And, Hopefully basketball has got, and it is, basketball is the liaison to kind of, you know, having that happen. Yeah. And then in terms of, you know, just kind of the outworking thing and as coaches, I always have kind of felt to kind of separate myself from, you know, maybe sort of the player side of things. I just want to know that there hasn't been a stone that's been left unturned for us to, to win that particular night. And mm -hmm. whether it's making sure we have a tremendous amount of film whether we're making sure we, you know, have an appropriate film study or the scouting report is, is appropriate you know all those things there's a balance and i think yeah. that's something that as the years have gone on we've gotten better at in terms of okay hey i give a, a single page scouting report before each opponent and that's after how many pages of notes of my own you know i, right. I got to make sure i give them what's necessary and then you know outside of that probably nothing else and then film early on we were watching film full games and you you'd maybe get through a quarter and a half whereas now we clip things and make sure, okay, hey, here's their base on a bounce place. Here's their, yeah. that take them maybe five minutes to go through and kind of see, and we'll go through them in practice. And so we're being way more efficient with those kind of things. And that just comes with experience and time. And at the same time, maximizing their development as not only basketball players, but as people as well. And, and, uh, and that just, you know, that's one of those things that uh, you figure that out as you go. If you've got that in place in year one as, as, a, as a head coach, then you're, you're way ahead of the game for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely way ahead of, ahead of where I was. That that that's for sure. Um, I I think that it's important. Um, a couple things that you mentioned. Number one is that 
there's always more that you could be doing, but that doesn't mean that you should be doing it or that it's sure. best for you to do it, right? We have so many other things we're managing of our, our other jobs that we do or personal life that it is, I think, easy to get in this trap of doing so much to the point where it's, it's no longer beneficial. The cost right. of what that's going to take from you just isn't, just isn't worth it. And so I think prioritizing and like knowing your template, like you said, knowing your structure and working within that is super beneficial. And then what you said about relationships, I think a lot of coaches, not all coaches, but a lot of coaches are teachers. And I think that that's something that we all sort of recognize as a teacher, you build relationships, yeah. coach, you build relationships. But I think that's a good point to reemphasize for maybe any coaches or people who aren't um, in the, in that teaching profession and maybe right. kind of go in and out is like relationships right. are so important. And I think yeah. you get a lot out of those. I think you, you can speak to it too. I'm sure that you get a lot out of a lot more out of your girls by just having a relationship with them. Yeah, there's no question. In fact, the uh, couple of assistants I have, volunteer assistants I have on my staff, they actually were the former head coach and uh, JV coach for Lake Stevens for over 25 years. Oh, wow. So, and they're back with me on my staff and, and have been for almost my whole career. Gil McKinney, who's, who's my longtime assistant, been there for every year but one. Steve Berg, who's been with me, is, has been there, shoot, I want to say for maybe the last 10, if I can remember correctly. <laughs> but again, before that, Coach Berg was the, was the head coach for 28 years, and, and Gil was his assistant forever. So they, we call them the godfathers in our program because <laughs> they, they're the godfathers of Lake Stevens girls basketball. I, I almost feel like a responsibility as, as the head coach now to make sure that they put it at a standard of, of excellence and success that we're at the minimum going to represent it in that fashion on and off the floor. And then hopefully, you know, on the floor, we can exceed it and, and, and achieve it and, and what have you. And so, but their, their biggest thing and the reason why they volunteer is the relationship side of things. Again, they're, they're not teaching anymore. They're retired, mm -hmm. but their, their investment in our program is the relationships. They look forward to every single day for those two, two and a half hours of practice Mm -hmm. getting to know those young ladies in our varsity and JV programs and, yeah. and interacting with them, not just on a basketball level, but a personal level. And for them, it's such a, just a meaningful thing. And then of course the girls are going to get the same thing out of that. And so that, that atmosphere that we've created here as a staff, that's had some continuity for, for quite a while now and understanding the significance of, you know, here we are in this COVID, this COVID, you know, <laughs> catastrophe. <laughs> that you know basketball and the overall scheme of things in life is is pretty minuscule and, and ultimately you got to value a, a lot more things than just things that we enjoy and we'll get back to those things there's no doubt about it but mm -hmm. you know ultimately you know it's the relationship side it's the people and, and we're always checking in on each other making sure we're doing okay and, and so on and so forth and those things are what's going to get you through these challenging circumstances at times so when you get back to basketball we get back in the gym we get to back to competing you know, it's going to make it that much more enjoyable because you're not going to take it as much for granted as, as maybe some of us have here up to this point. But yeah, the relationship side of things is, is just such a, a huge thing. And, and I think that's the big difference that I noticed from the girls game to the boys game is girls really value that. In fact, um, you know, I use this expression all the time that I, that I got from Ken Roberts as head coach at Snohomish um, girls, you know, don't care how much, you know, more so than how much you care. Yeah. If you care more about them yeah. as people, uh, they're going to do anything for you. They're going to go above and beyond what you probably even had in terms of expectations for them. Um, and, and that's where you overachieve certain seasons, you know, and I certainly have a few examples of that, but 
that investment is, is just such a huge thing. And, and that's, you know, I think on the girl side of things, they really want to be coached. Boys sometimes get away with maybe the athleticism and wanting to do some of their own things their own way. And maybe there's not that give and take, but girls, man, I tell you, they're, if they understand that you're in it for them and their success, they're going to more times than not, you know, you're going to find avenues where you're going to overachieve and have probably way more success than you even probably imagined. So, and, uh, oh. and that's where a lot of joy of that is. Absolutely. No, I completely agree as a girls coach myself. The, the, this upcoming year will be my uh, third year with this particular group of girls and, and just the mm -hmm. bond that they have with each other and the bond that I have with them. Like there, there's, you, it's almost like you can feel it. Like you can feel that relationship and camaraderie and it's, it's, yep. it'll lead to an environment, like you said, where you, you might win some games that you wouldn't have otherwise or overachieved. Sure. Absolutely. And then another thing that you said, that's so, so important. I'm glad that you mentioned it too, about being more efficient as a coach is use your assistance, have good assistance yes. if you can, it's not yes. always easy, but if you have like great assistance, which it sounds like you do, yes. uh, man, they could probably take a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, the load off of your shoulders at times. Well, so. and I would say too, one of the things, one of the things you make is, uh, mistakes that you make as a young coach is you feel like you have to have your hands in everything. Oh yeah. And you got to learn to, you know, delineate, you know, responsibilities or deviate responsibilities to your staff. That's why they're there. And it gives them value in not only of course your own program and your own eyes, but your, your players eyes, like you've give them something to do. And, you know, like coach McKinney for us, he, he strictly takes our defensive side of things. I, I'm not, I mean, I love defense, but I'm, that's not my MO and, Mm -hmm. He does such a great job of teaching it, and and we'll play a lot of zone stuff. But he is a man to man principles guy, and, and zones are, are predicated out of, out of those basic principles. Yep. But he's so good, and it is very old school, but it's it's so fundamental and on point. It's it's ultimately why we get to where we want to go defensively by the mm -hmm. end of the year. You know, it's a process. Yep. It's, it's building it up, and and that's his twenty to twenty five minutes every single day that he gets, and it's his time. And and, and I step back, and it gives me a chance to kind of rest and recover from a teaching day and kind of look forward to what's going on in practice and so on and so forth. And then, you know, coach Berg is kind of our shooting coach. He was a very good player in his own right. Um, you know, does a lot, you know, a lot of shooting things and, and, you know, teaching the game on that side of things. And so uh, we've just had a lot of different angles and input. And, and again, that less is more, less of me is more for us. And yeah. that's where you give that value to your, your assistants and your, your kids recognize that value as well. And, and ultimately, we've made, you know, larger steps of success because, again, there's less of me, more of another influences, mm -hmm. you know, at our practices every single day. So, for yeah. sure. Agreed. Yeah. Delegate if you can. I remember yep. when, I, when I was really young, I thought I was going to reinvent basketball and then <laughs> yeah. all of these things. But and then also, like you mentioned, I think it's good for the players to hear other voices, too. Yes. And get other endpoint. It just, you know, especially on those days, like you said, where you're tired or like I'm yep. sick or something. It's like, oh, at least yep. there's another voice they respect that, that can coach them and, and, and do a great job. Yeah. And I have a, I have a few kids in class. You know, last thing they want to hear from me after an hour of me at class or, you know, is another two and a half hours of me at practice. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's so important. And I probably get tired of hearing myself too. I, I got to shut up every now and then. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not saying you have to for this. I'm just saying I agree <laughs> with you in that. Uh, yeah. The, the, a lot of the girls who I first coached for two years are going to be juniors now, which is what I coach. And right some of them are gonna get a real real double dose sure. of me <laughs> sure so, it yeah happens. yeah now you made me reflect on that like poor girls oh well <laughs> some of them actually are maybe a little excited to be in my class we'll see once once the season rolls around and they hear me for 
right how much during the day <laughs> right all right coach you said your your offense is your your bread and butter so so here we go we're going we're going in on on being fast but also being efficient so sure you mentioned uh, to me uh, off air that your goal is for your girls to get 60 points per game that's like the goal that you set yep. so for that to happen what are the systems that need to be put in place from a schematic standpoint and just from a philosophical standpoint in order to help your girls achieve that goal because i i've heard the saying even around here like well you know if a girl girl's team gets to 40 like you know then you're set but you're going for 60 so, so yeah it's got to be put in place for that to happen well interesting you say your goal around here is to get to 40 well for us defensively our goal is to keep teams under 40 single digits for each quarter is the mm -hmm. goal yeah and so if we can score over 60 keep teams under 40 those are comfortable wins and that's kind of yeah. something that you know, has, has been with us since, you know, the beginning of time. And in fact, maybe for us to kind of refocus, maybe late in game, hey, we've got somebody at 32. Our goal is to keep them under 40. You know, let's refocus. And all of a sudden, we don't focus on offense any longer. It's it, That'll take care of itself. Let's really kind of tune in and just different strategies to go about it. But uh, I've always been one where um, the game is way more enjoyable when it's it's a little more free-flowing. You give You give kids a template to play out of. But at the same time, they have to understand that they've got the green light. And, you know, where we – where I really miss, you know, not being able to play summer hoops here, you know, for us, it's, you know, in our program, the expectation is you're with us in June. We'll play as many as 40 games in June uh, to kind of get all the kinks out and new players and ideas and philosophies in hand. Whereas we have quite a few kids who play club basketball in July. A lot of people do. They play yeah. with their clubs. And so I get out of the way. I want to go watch them play with their clubs, which is great. Yeah. But at the same time, it allows us to really kind of put into play, okay, here's, here's how we like to play. We're not, you know, putting a lot of sets in that we would during the season. We'll put in some quick hits as we need to and, and what have you. But we try to play as many kids as possible. And there's, there's no red lights. There's no – during summer basketball because ultimately we want to try to see if we can grow some of that confidence uh, in all of our players because we just don't know when their moment's going to come. And we talk about that quite a bit as well. Mm -hmm. But we want to play fast. And I think the biggest thing, is certainly from the Godfathers, as I mentioned to them earlier, being that old school, hey, we want to value the basketball and take care of it. And we do. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But – you have to be okay with with turning it over a little bit and and understanding that okay hey we're trying to play fast some of the byproduct of of playing fast is you might turn it over a little more than you're you're comfortable with now our traditional goal is to try to keep you know turnovers you know roughly 15 or less um i'm certainly okay with if we're under 20 and if it's over that then we're we've got some problems just because yeah. you're creating um a game that has more possessions so more possessions right. mean potentially more turnovers mm -hmm. and you're going to have to have that give and take and, and um, at the same time not be, okay, we've turned it over three or four times now. Are we backing off the pace? We can't. You know, we, we got to be okay with, okay, hey, why did we create that turn or make that turnover? You know, what was the issue at hand? But, um, you know, our biggest thing is team scores. We want to get the ball out and in while they're celebrating, while they feel like, okay, hey, we scored. You know, there's that casual jog back from the defense. In fact, we kind of tend to feel like, here's a greater opportunity for us to score is off a made basket from the other team. Now, again, not that we want to give up made baskets, mm -hmm. but it feels like we score more times than not in that kind of scenario. Whereas if a team misses, they're already kind of back in transition. There's that sense of, okay, we've got to get back, not give up an easy hoop. 
they get comfortable after they've scored. Okay, they're feeling good about themselves. Well, if you've already scored back on them by the time yeah, they – it's, it's so deflating. They're like, yeah, okay, yeah. what just happened here? So we, we really get a lot of that. But we have a template that we like to play out of, you know, and, and everybody, I'm sure, you know, you have your primary break. If you can get out ahead, great. But our secondary is, is really kind of what helps set up pace of play. We have our fours and fives. They're interchangeable. They always take the ball out. If a guard takes it out in practice, uh, one, the guards do some push-ups. But the post players do twice as many push-ups just for the sake of we got to get into that habit of having a four or a five take the ball out consistently. The biggest reason is because we want our wings wide. We want options on both sides of the floor. If we have a guard taking it out, that means we've only got one side of the floor we can throw it to because we don't want our post players touching it 45 feet from the basket, you know, if you will. So post taking it out, fours and fives are interchangeable. Our twos and threes are interchangeable. And if we have, you know, like right now in our program, we have three guards that really all could bring it up. You know, I guess all three of those spots could be interchangeable, but, uh, but we want it in. We want one leg, you know, taking it out, one leg up. I mean, that's how fast taking it out of the net, and you know, and traditionally going to the right side. But yeah. our point guards are, are are have a banana cut that we always want them to do. That's not a go back, stop, go. That would makes us that half a second, you know, faster. It helps just the little things, and we'll actually practice those things to get us going. Wings are wide to the sideline. The best that are the the skinniest that will allow us to the volleyball line on our courts if they're inside the volleyball line that doesn't work for us because you you know you everybody can guard the middle yeah so spacing is really important and it's a sprint up the side you know so we want the ball in our point guards get no more than two dribbles before we want the ball up preferably one and if we can get away with zero great so then that way that pressure is on i mean it's it's instant and if our wings get it and they've got they're ahead of everybody because they've ran the floor how we would like then go get a layup you know, go get free throws, go get both. Yeah. You know, that's a win-win if you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and so that's always option number one, you know, is to get it ahead. Our lead post players, so the post player that didn't throw it out is what we call our rim runner. So they run to the rim and they'll post that ball side box, whichever way that first pass went. So they have to have their head on a little bit on a swivel. Mm-hmm. So where'd that first pass go? They'll rim run and then, and then post up heavy on the box. And, you know, so our first option is can our wings get to the rim? Great. If not, okay, we're looking inside to throw it into the post um, and get them a quick, easy touch. And we tell our post players on our court at Lake Stevens, there's a, um, there's like a gray line that goes right down the center from mm-hmm. basket to basket. Okay. We tell our post players we want to have to repaint that line. <laughs> we want them to wear that line out if yeah. at all possible just because that's where they need to be. And we also allow – we've had guards that have thrown it in the past – you know, Corinne Burke is a classic example. She graduated from, from Lake Stevens in 2011. Her ability just to get the ball in and throw it ahead, just knowing where her kids or her teammates are going to be, she would throw it off of no dribbles and it would get to those to our players. That made us that much mm-hmm. faster. Her sense was so good. But her ability to throw that kind of pass, and she could go a point to post pass where it wouldn't have to go to the wings. You know, that's always an option just yeah, kind wow. of yeah. on your personnel, you know, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Just get it in there, yeah. Just get it in, and so, but yeah, so rim run, and then for us, we we flow right into a European ball screen offense. It has some continuity to it. Again, is maybe a little bit more of a structured template, but it's kind of our base system of what we do. Mm-hmm. And so our secondary break leads right into that. There's no there's no play calls for us, which would slow us down. There's no stop start from us from us, which would slow us down. Again, we're trying to create possessions as needed. So anything in that live ball format. Again, it's go. It's it's we want to you know really force our hand, and again, less is more. It's less of me calling plays and putting you know things into 
you guys go play. And if, again, you know what we do and what we like to do and how we like to play, and then great. Yeah. So, um, but we look inside our point guards. Once they throw that first pass, again, to kind of get us into our, our continuity, they're supposed to go to the opposite corner. So they'll clear out space. Uh, the trail post player that threw it in gets to the top of the arc. And so then that way there's clear. So it ends up being a little four round one. We look inside. If it's not there, the ball gets reversed to the top of the arc, and we'll look high-low for, for our post-to-post -post pass. And then if we don't have anything there, we kind of go for like a two-count because everyone gets to be in the lane for two seconds. Yeah. Then we take it to the other side of the floor. Our, our other wing that didn't get the ball in that first pass cuts through to the opposite corner now, and now the ball is going to go back to our point guard, and we're in our flow. And mm -hmm. so um, – and it just allows us to get more possessions. It gets us to more sides of the floor with our continuity. Uh, it gets the ball, in, at least the last few years, into our best players' hands multiple times in the possession, which is what we all want, you know, our best players to handle it. Yep. Um, and in this case, and especially with girls' basketball, I, I believe it's more than, more than boys' basketball. We really try to promote equal opportunity as much as possible. If we really need to dig into sets and, and, and what have you, half-court kind of stuff, then, yeah, we'll be deliberate about who we're trying to run things for. But especially during the summer and, and trying to get them to play and, and find that comfort zone in what we do, mm -hmm. we want to, we're all going to be way better as, as coach and as, as teams if there's balanced scoring. You know, we talk about the, want that all the time. I mean, who, who are you going to take away if you've got, yeah. you know, five kids that are averaging six to ten points per? No one. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone can do it. So, yep. um, and in fact, you know, one of the teams, as we kind of talked about, you know, in terms of overachieving, I can think of the 2010 group um, where we you know, made a state tournament, won a district. We started the season one and four and then rattled off 15 in a row, I think. Um, win a, won a district title and probably really overachieved. But the reality was we had players that felt like, in fact, in the district title game, because, and I'm going to equate this back to our summer hoops the previous summer, it was equal opportunity. That was a night where our fifth option had like 10 points and just, you know, we yeah. didn't discourage it. It was in our template of what we do. And so you never, you never know. And that's why I want to make sure that, you know, especially and girls are feeling good about themselves coming out of the summer. They've all had a chance to develop. It's in our template of stuff. And then as coaches, you know, ultimately we've had enough, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 40 plus games or whatever that we try to get in in a month. We have enough of an idea of, okay, hey, who can we run stuff for? What from July to November when we get going? what are some things we can put into play for some specific kids and then, you know, go that deliberate. So, um, and that's, you know, ultimately I think allowed us to, you know, score at a high rate, you know, we want to play fast. We can be deliberate if we need to. And then, um, you know, try to take advantage of all those situations where you feel like, you know, you've got those opportunities, but that's the idea of the little things, taking it in quickly, no more than two dribbles from our point guard to get it up the floor. If our wings are hit, attack it right away if you can. We equate fouls and free throws as great up, you know, scoring opportunities too. That's a plus. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, yeah. it goes right into our flow. There's no stop and start and play call from my ends. And, you know, over the course of the game, when you create more possessions and you're free flowing and it's, it's aggressive, you can get to that 60 point mark. And, and for us this year, in fact, um, you know, we set a school record in, in points for a season. And, I, man, there, this is the season we had the most games where we scored over 70. I, I want to say we probably had like eight or nine games wow. where we were at 70-plus for a 32-minute game. So, And I always like to equate, too, 60 points in a 
you know, a 32 minute game, if you were to go a college level, you know, 40 minutes, that's like 75 points in a, mm-hmm. in a college women's right, game right, and right. so forth. So, yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about the, the idea of balanced scoring and that there's not any red lights. Um, yeah. uh, obviously there's only, there, there's only one ball. And so be, I, I get the sense that because of how many points um, that, that you're looking to score, whether it's 60 or you know 70 or more, that that mm. most most of your players are gonna are, are gonna be satisfied. But are there situations where you know players are going to feel like, hey, like I should be getting more touches, or like I'm I'm a, a better you know, score of a better shooter, like in, in that I, I, it shouldn't be as equally distributed or is there something that's kind of built within like the team mentality and team camaraderie to kind of like not kind of go away from that sort of thinking? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we, for example, this year, um, we had four sophomores that were starters for us and a senior and our senior was a division one kid who's going to Boise State next year. And she would be one that, hey, okay, the more times than not, she's going to get more shots than everybody else. And that's just kind of the reality of, of she's a four-year player for us as a freshman, which is hard to do. And in my shoot, 15, 16 years, whatever, I've had three, uh, four freshmen that have played all four years in terms of experience. You know, otherwise, you kind of had to wait your turn. But she was talented enough that, you know, she'd gone through her time. You know, she's a big-time recruit. And she's got the green light. And so if, if she's got, and she's got a pretty big range, she can put it on the floor. So there's just kind of that understanding that, okay, she, she's going to have her opportunities to be able to pick and choose as she needs to. Yeah. The other four though, sophomores wise, and, and I teach sophomores at Lake Stevens all day. So I have a pretty good uh, feel for sophomores and maturity level and <laughs> that dynamic of, you know, you got to share the ball a little bit is really critical. And so we ran into some issues with that a little bit. And, you know, they all are very talented and, and I feel like have a chance to at least be division two kids, you know, by the time they're done with us. So where are you going to sacrifice? And so we think about, you know, we talk, we've talked about this with each of these four individuals, you know, as freshmen, freshmen just want to be varsity players. You know, they want to play varsity basketball. It's a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. Sophomores, you know, they, they want to, you know, play and, and, you know, get some decent time. Juniors, you want to start. Seniors want to win. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of, you know, like in Reagan's case, she went through kind of that, that process. And we saw that certainly with some of our sophomores, you know, wanted to play. So, well, they were going to play. There's no doubt about that. So that shift this year for us was, well, they all want to be double-figure scorers. Well, that's going to be really challenging when, one, you have a Division One kid that's going to probably dominate the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there are going to be nights where, okay, a couple of you are going to have great games and some of you might not be so much. That's just kind of how it's going to go. We've got to really embrace uh, each other's success. Your time's going to come. Your opportunity's going to be there. And so that was, that was a challenge, you know, at different points in the season for us. You know, we had 25 games this year. We go 19 and 6. And, you know, you would think, okay, hey, everything was great. And, you know, you make a state tournament and, and get back to that, to that level. And, it was a challenge at times, you know, you had maybe a few games in a row where one of our post players didn't score over five, but she was in a little bit of foul trouble. And at the same time, her buddy or other post player buddy had 15 and 20 plus, you know, and so ultimately there's going to have to be some sacrifice there. And as you talked about, there's one ball, there's not five where we get to kind of fill it up. You got to, you got to understand and be, be ready, be prepared. We talk about this with our kids. 
and, and I was going to kind of bring this back full circle here is uh, statistics don't lie. You know, if you're going to be a 30% free throw shooter, then, you know, odds are you're missing out on opportunities because you're not shooting 80% from the free throw line. You know, maybe you're not getting baskets as, as you traditionally would, but let's look at the amount of shots that everybody's getting respectively. And when you get yours, are you converting those? You know, you can't expect you're going to have every single time down the floor that's going to work out for you. So, um, and I think ultimately that's kind of what's driven a lot of our success, you know, over the years is we as coaches really need to promote equal opportunity in terms of, Hey, if it's a shot and it's open, we expect you to take it, you know, considering, you know, situation score more times than not, Hey, it's, it's going to be wide open. You're not going to hear from us or discouraged from us, you know, Hey, you shouldn't have taken that. We want that opportunity because we never know. You never know when your opportunity or chance is going to come. Yeah. And then at the same time, we need to really embrace our teammates' success too. And when that happens, all that other stuff's going to take care of itself. Let's let's remember as coaches, we we're our our number one goal here is to try to win games. And we're gonna use and put you guys in situations and circumstances where we want you to be in the best best positions to win. And that's mm -hmm. that's as a team and a program, ultimately where we've got to make decisions and where you've got to really embrace as teammates Absolutely. each other's success at the maybe the expense of your own. Well, I think that the team building part, you know, it's so important. And it goes back to relationships. I think that we talked yep. about is like the relationship that, that you build with your players, with each other, as well yep. as the coach and the players to not see like even I, I've seen it you know, where, where there's teammates who view each other almost as like competition. And yes. it's like a competition among among each other. And, and that, that, right. get, that can get pretty ugly. Sure. <laughs> and so well, and I would say, in. too, with our with Reagan, who was our, our division one kid, you know, she really struggled at times because she was such an ultra competitor. Some of her abrasive personality was just wanting to win. I mean, her, her drive to win was, and then there was at, at the same time, that conversation with Reagan, you, you have to understand, you're going to have to come at this a little bit different angle. You're going to have to come at it maybe a little bit softer than maybe as abrasive as you would be at, at the next level, division one level, you're going to be able to <laughs> raise it. You got a bunch of alpha dogs, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. By the high school level, you know, you got girls that are, are doing this just for the sake of this is it for them. And they're, yep. they want to make sure it's a good time. And so you're going to have to find different ways to lead and lead by example and, and actions. And, and then at the same time, yeah, those are going to be one-on-one -on -one conversations with those, with those young ladies that maybe are struggling with, you know, not as much of an opportunity that maybe they had with their club teams. And especially in our, our circumstance where, you know, shoot, the other four are all sophomores and, you know, the same grade level, that's, that's going to be a consistent challenge, you know, I think for us, you know, the next couple of years too, because um, let's really kind of, you know, make this team oriented and the rest of that stuff will take care of itself. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. If you can make it team oriented and celebrate each other's success and, and yep. be happy with what they're doing uh, with each other as teammates and, and just being positive and having that relationship, right. hopefully, like you said, hopefully the other stuff will just solve itself. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, like your time will come and yep. your opportunities will come. Just keep playing the right way. Yeah. And I think, I think what we've seen in the past, and I've tried to relate this to them too, is you know, we've, we've had other pro teams, you know, in my career here that we've had to go through the same thing. And ultimately once that reality of, okay, Hey, we're all trying to, to win you know, on a night-to-night -night basis and, and be as successful as you possibly can. And those teams and programs that have and have made it to state tournaments and what have you, realize that had to be at the top. And then, again, all those other things will, will take care of themselves. And you'll get right. to where you want to go and, and so on and so forth. Again, and I take that more as a, 
we're not just relying on one or two people to get to where we want to go. We, we need everybody in some capacity. So if you're kind of muddled in your own feelings because you're not scoring or whatever, you better find other ways to be able to help us because when that time comes for you to help us scoring wise, you better be prepared and ready. You know, we're, yeah. we're not just relying on two people to do it. We need you. Right. Okay, hey, they're taking those two away. Those two are having tough nights. We need you other three to really fill the bill. Are you prepared? Or are you still sulking in the previous two or three games where you didn't score right. at all, you know? Right, yeah, especially if you play as, as fast as you are, like opportunities, they're, they're always right. coming. So you yep. have to be mentally ready on every play because, you know, opportunities are just coming fast and furious uh, right. with, with your girls, yeah. And so, I would say, too, this the scoring side of things, and it, you bring up a good angle there, too, and, and kind of bring it back and tie it in together. We want to try to create more trips for opportunity, more opportunities. You know, there are some coaches that are very, you know, disciplined and want to play a half-court game and limit possessions, and that's – you know, the Virginia approach, you know, where they're so efficient and still score at a high rate, that's going to be a really tough sell with, you know, I think a lot of programs and in our case, kids that, you know, feel like maybe they're college capable. If we can create more opportunities to, you know, go score, then it's kind of ultimately on them to make shots and, and put themselves in those kind of positions and create by creating more of those possessions or more opportunities, you know, kind of maybe again, takes us out of the equation and it's, Hey, it's on you. It's not because we weren't, you know, it's not like we as coaches slow the game down. We're, you know, running things for two people. You know, yeah. there's it gives us outs as coaches ultimately, which is a good thing. Yeah, well, uh, that kind of goes with that that freedom. And, you know, if you're having yep. that freedom and having those opportunities, well, you're, you need to still make the most of it. And when you get yep. that time, like, here it is. Like, you know, yep. go for it. Yeah, Make, yep. makes a lot of sense. And I think, like you said, it kind of all ties that back together, you know, relationships, getting the opportunities, and then – um, you know, like you said, if needed, you know, you might need to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation and might sure. need to pull the girl aside, you know, just talk things out. And if you have that relationship already built, it's a much easier conversation to have. Yeah. Sure. And I would say, too, you know, it's it's a much more enjoyable game to watch. You know, we all see the Gold State Warriors and <laughs> teams that scored at a high rate. You know, initially when I took the, the head job, like Stevens, I was really immersed into the the Grinnell system where okay. you're you're subbing out and, and platooning in groups of five yeah. every yeah. 90 seconds and I, i'm such a big and of course it promotes you know more kids in your program you know tradition needs you know, 16 or 17 kids because you're platooning you know that face fast of a rate uh but you know i came back to as a new head coach i and i felt like i had a pretty talented group i i felt like something that extreme if it didn't work man that, that would be a short tenure for myself yeah. So I needed to find something that I still wanted to play fast, provide a little bit of structure, make it enjoyable. And I feel like, you know, as, as you know, for girls basketball, those that come and, and watch us play or see the girls game, it's actually an enjoyable game to come watch. There's such a misperception about watching girls hoops. And I think we've really helped encourage that. You know, we, we draw pretty well at Lake Stevens and, and have a pretty good, you know, following. But ultimately, it's because I think we've made it, and I like to think we've made it enjoyable to come see. It's not just a really big struggle to watch. We have kids that walk in like, wow, your girls really can play the game, you know, and score it. And, you know, parents appreciate it and, and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, you put all those things that are, that are in play. And, and, you know, for a lot of girls teams that maybe struggle to score, you can have an off night and still, if you're creating a ton of possessions, you're still more times than not going to put yourself in situations to win compared to maybe a limited possession type of game. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of positive things I think that kind of feed into that. So 
Yeah, there's a couple of great points that you mentioned that I didn't even consider. You know, you, you mentioned about how, you know, like we, we all see like the, the Golden State Warriors and that and that sort of thing. Well, well so do our girls. Our mm-hmm. girls see that too. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the stuff that they're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And this is really fun. And, um, you know, if, if we can kind of bring some of that enthusiasm and that openness and, and we find a way to incorporate in it, that they'll see it. They already know the benefits of it. That's right. kind of the stuff that they're watching. And then the other point that you mentioned too about how, you play in that way and and you tend to get more people to come and and that's kind of one of those other byproducts you get is more people come yeah that's more exciting for your girls and they're like happy to have a lot more a lot of people in the stands and things like that and it just all sort of builds and yeah you know i'm with you like i've been in some of those games where it's just grinding out and yeah it's a bit of a slog (laughs) it gets to be a bit of a slog sometimes and i don't know who it's fun for at that point well i think for the sake of growing the girls game something we talk about in our state quite a bit yeah um we've we've got to get out of that you know so so many dated individuals kind of feel like the girls game is you know from the 50s and if you can get a game that, you know, one of my ment- my number one mentor in our league, Ken Roberts, I mentioned him earlier uh, from Snohomish High School. We always kid all the time. He's a, he's a fabulous coach, but he's always one that is value the basketball, take care of it. And our, our running joke between the two of us is the first of 40 wins. You know, he does such a good job mm-hmm. of taking ha- us playing fast away that it's it, i would swear almost more times than not the first team that gets to 40 is more than and that's just the way they do it and and yep. so on and so forth you know they have success with it um but you know when we think about you know advancing the girls game and just and and girls are playing so much more now the skill level is so much better than than what it used to be 10 15 years ago and i really mm-hmm. feel like in in the state of washington this especially we have so much talent that comes out of here right now that uh if you're if you're not keeping up you know, with, with the trends of the, you know, game, uh, for the sake of advancing our game, yeah. uh, you're just going to put yourself behind. So it's, um, but you know, there's, there's different ways to do it. There's no doubt. Great point. Well, one of the things you mentioned within, within your offense, as you kind of get into it is your use of the European ball screen and in yep. using screens. And I am probably one of those coaches who've lamented it and I'm sure I'm not the only one. There's plenty of talk about screening being kind of like a lost start and it yeah. not being taught or uh, performed effectively so as a coach who relies heavily on using um, that sort of ball screen action what's the process for teaching like an effective ball screen and making sure that the screens are being set the right way the great question Um, and I'm going to take this actually from a defensive side of thing here first so Mm -hmm. for us in our league at least how we teach it defensively against really good guards guards that can really shoot it from distance we always tell our guards to go over the top um, because girls don't set great screens. And we'll steal um, a foul call, an illegal screen foul call or two or three a game because we go over the top of screens and, you know, some girl booty bumps her and, and yeah. we're going the other way. It's a turnover, you know, yeah, and we, right. we get the ball that way. And, and so in that respect, when we flip it around and, and you know, install, um, you know, our continuity – you know, it's it's low and wide, and it's it's just solid, and it's the guard's responsibility. If if a post player gets a foul call for a moving screen, nine times out of ten, it's the guard's responsibility for not coming off the screen appropriately. You've allowed the the game, the official in that game, to make a call if it looks awkward. Whereas if a girl gets squared up on a screen because you went shoulder to shoulder off of that screen as a guard, there's no foul going to be called on the post player. And, right. and when we've looked at film consistently with the number of ball screens that we set out of that 
you know, it's, it's exactly where it comes from. Now, every now and then you'll get a, a post player that'll move a little bit, but more times than not, they'll set it wherever it's going to get set. But ultimately, it's the guard's responsibility to come out that don't allow any space. Mm-hmm. So then you force a decision on that defender to, okay, do I go over? And so we have rules for that, or do I go under? We have rules for that, you know, offensively there. So low and wide and stay put. Um, and then, you know, again, it's, it's on the guard to make sure they use it correctly. So, um, and we, you know, we want to try to meet, you know, the guards, you know, in our, in our flow, we kind of tell them to wait and let the post players. So it creates lots of space, um, naturally in, in that offense, you know, as, as the possession goes along, it tends to lift. And so late in the shot clock, we have a shot clock. You guys have a shot clock in Arizona? No, no shot clock. We, we need it in the girls game. That'll help speed the game up too. Um, we late in the shot clock when the offense lifts, it gives our guards options to now not only use the screen, but they can reject and go baseline and get to the rim. So there's just, there's little things that we teach and it's an easy thing uh, to put in and install and just have. And then of course, you know, the drills that we have that go with it, you know, that we go through practice, you know, regularly during the summer, it's almost all we really do is, is that kind of skill development out of ball screen drills, you know, European ball screen drills that, oh, they see how it translates. They understand the shots that we're getting out of it based on those kind of reads and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But yeah, low and wide and stay put. And then I think the biggest thing in terms of a screen is, is roll all the way through it. You know, we have, we have girls, especially in the girls game that just, they'll roll for a step and oh, okay, I, I give up on it. Whereas in this continuity, you're not only done off of the roll, but there might be, if, if the guard has to reverse it to the top there, to, the, to your post player buddy, as we like to call him, <laughs> there's that high low right there. We expect you to go post that up for a two count in the lane. And then if you didn't get it, okay, shoot, didn't happen. We're going to go to the other side of the floor now. We're in a lift. And, and then we've got something in play. So um, now we, we've had post players in the past that can, that can shoot it out there from 20. So, you know, we give them sometimes the flexibility to pick and pop. Yep. Um, but more times than not, man, just just roll all the way to them. Don't give up on the roll, and you got to hold that screen too. You know, let's let's force that switch to happen um, because ultimately we we kind of came to this offense because I felt like in well in 2012 we we didn't have a particularly large group, and I felt like everything offensively for us was focused around our guards. We had really good guards, actually two guards that went to Boise State. We had kind of a thing going with them. <laughs> And so uh, how could I get my post players involved? How could I get them touches? Because I just felt like they were getting left out. Yeah. And then the other big reason was Snohomish, who I mentioned earlier, Ken Roberts, they defensively are so good at hard hedging, you know, ball screens. How could we exploit? Because we were a 1-4 UCLA kind of stuff, and they just took all that stuff away. We just mm-hmm. – it was really a big struggle. This gave us some continuity, and then – and again, most teams are going to be able to load up one side with their best defenders, but can they do it with all five of their defenders for a whole possession? And then how can I involve our post players? How can I get them touches? Because again, everything seems so guard driven. Right. And so, and our post players, believe it or not, at the time were, geez, um, you know, five, eight, and <laughs> five, nine kid. You know, that was, uh-huh. that was the year that, okay, there's, and so they could all handle it, which was kind of nice, but um you know, it just, I felt like we were, we were missing out on an opportunity and we needed to put something into play that was a little different and at the same time was easy to teach and could exploit our best team in our league because they were so good. There was a lot of factors that went into it. And then since then, we've just grown out of it. And, and now we have, 
we've kind of gone back to having quite a bit of size in our program. We have a six, four kid and a six, two kid and we're a little more conventional and traditional and about getting them the basketball. And, and, um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really functional for us and what we tried to do. So with that, what, what would you say is the, like the biggest or the most common correction that you've had to make or the common mistake that you see with screen setting that that's come up in your years of experience? They come out of it too quickly. Mm. So like there's not, they don't give the guards, how we would teach it is we want that big to have to switch on a guard. Two reasons. One, we don't really feel like post players can be able to stay in front of guards. So as a guard, I want that to happen because I want to be able to go by them. I want to be able to go by and get to the rim. Or go by forced help, and it's a pitch and kick for a three-point opportunity. The second reason is I want that switch because if a post player switched on me, that means there's a guard that's guarding a post right now. So I'm going to escape dribble. I'm going to reestablish, and I'm going to throw – I've got a little guarding a big down in the box right now. So there's, there's option number two. And if I force that switch, maybe I don't feel comfortable with both of those, I've reversed the ball to the top. I still probably had that switch if the post player, again, as we've mentioned earlier, has rolled to the rim. Yep. And now I can go high-low with that. So, and that, that's just that initial side. So, again, just coming out of that screen too soon, post player or guard maybe reversing it to the high too quickly, I think has been a common thing. Like, they let go of it instead of keeping that dribble. The only time you pick up that dribble is if you're shooting it or you're passing it, like, right now. Yeah, but we want to we want to keep that dribble rocking. We want to keep that post player engaged, so we force that action, and then we can play out of it from there. I think that's been kind of the most common thing. The other big thing too, and everybody is once once you get the template and understand kind of the we get everyone's going to be well scouted and knows what's coming. Uh, the, the other big thing is, and and when we first put this in, we were just way too mechanical. We were just too into the okay, here's how the offense goes, and that's girls. Girls like hey. I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm making my cut. I'm using the ball screen. <laughs> yeah. Instead of we kind of lost them playing out of it. Go play. Right. You know, right, let's, right. let's get into that, that read sort of stuff. And so, you know, understanding that, remember, we're still looking to try to score, but, you know, mechanical in that we would always think, okay, we're going to get something on the first side. Well, you're only going to get something on the first side against really poor teams. Really Let's let's dummy action the first side and let's get it reversed to that second side because in a shot clock, you know, 35 mm-hmm. seconds for us, we if it's really moving, we'll get three sides and maybe four if it's really popping. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So let's let's skip let's dummy action that first side. Let's get it reversed to that second side right away. And then that way defense is gonna break down at some point and, and then we've got options. Well, I, I love that you mentioned about the, the mechanical part. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, it'll happen. It'll happen where you'll have, and, and, and I'm, I'm primarily coach girls, so you, know, you see it where they kind of go for the motions and they go for the steps. And, and like you said, like they were doing it correctly. Um, I, I've, I've, I'm sure you've had this too, where girls have, have passed open like great looks because yes. they thought that this was what I had to do next. Like, no, no, yes. no. Can you please put the ball in the basket? Because that, that's right. what I need you to do. And so, yeah, yeah definitely something to, to keep in mind about making sure that you have you, you have the continuity, you have the action that you want going, the screens and everything. But at the end of the day, we're trying to put the ball in the basket. Yeah. So well, yeah. I would say too, we do, we do a lot of things, especially their guards, that will help set up things later. So... 
for example, even if on that first side, you know, we, we get into it and we have a ton of different entries that get us into the flow, or again, maybe it's a live ball, we get to it. But on that first side, if, if your defender is going to go under a ball screen, we actually want them to take that shot right away. Make or miss, even if it's early in the game, take that 20 footer because now you've forced them to think, oh, shoot, I can't go under now because they're willing to take that. So now the second time you get it, okay, they're going to try to go over the top. Now I really get to turn the corner. So everything is setting something up later. Whereas, you know, early in the game, they won't take that shot. Oh, coach, I thought you want us to move the ball. You're right. I do want you to move the ball. But you're setting actually stuff we want to do later up by taking that right now. You know, mm -hmm. if they go under it for us. That's whoever it is. If they go under a ball screen, you have to take that 20-footer. You, you've set up everything else that we want to do as the game progresses. If you don't take it, then they will consistently go under, and that's one less action they have to guard, you know. And so those are a lot of things that we talk about and, and drill over the summer. These are they're easy things that you can, you know, you can go two-on-two, three-on-three with that kind of stuff. And that's re really one of the big reasons why we like it so much. And I used to just despise – ball screen stuff I, I really kind of felt like everything was so clogged and um and again you'd pick up cheap silly you know moving screen calls and but just there's enough of a template in place which is I think important for girls mm -hmm. but at the same time it allows them to play out of it too and then when that light bulb goes on you know with certain things then again it's that less is more we're out of the equation and they're just playing yeah and that's how you want to play the game well, yeah, what, what you mentioned about how you, you, you want to make sure, in, in this case, with using the screens and everything, that there's still something to follow, but it's, yes. it, but it's still, there's enough freedom in it where there's so much choices that get to be made and, and right. you're not thinking, like you said, we talked about being mechanical, you're not going through the, just the motions and having to overthink when, when opportunities are right in front of you, but you're too right. thinking about it. And yeah. I love it about, you know, take the shot, you know, you kind of set sounds like you kind of set a tempo too and you set like yes. a, here this is what's going to happen so here, yep. here's what we're doing so well yep. the funny thing too is when we when we teach this like the last few years i've taken a jv group um up to we have a team camp up at western washington university in july usually middle of july and the last few years i've taken a jv group up there yeah um and it's been a ton of fun it's been great for me as a coach because one i really appreciate my varsity kids and their skill level mm-hmm but two, it's really forced myself to really maybe simplify the game. Not only, of course, for, for the, these, this JV group of kids, but maybe how I teach it to my older kids, you know, like, or my more skilled kids. Okay, how come these guys aren't getting it? But when we install this European ball screen offense with them and they're going through it for the first time, you know, as we know, when, when you're installed, it's a mess, you know, it's just yep. so the simplicity of, okay, hey, when this is a gong show right now, post players, go set a ball screen. The other post player for us, you should be at the top of the arc. So however and wherever you are, you can always get yourself into it. We don't need to stop, start, get ourselves just, you're in it. You know, you're, you're yep. there and where you need to be. And so again, there's more of that free flow, go play instead of, Hey, we're going to run down screens or we're going to run stack to Euro or we're going to run, you know, push to Euro or the, and again, we have five or six different entries to get into it. But mm -hmm. you don't need, you don't really need that. Okay, yeah. hey, it's a mess right now. Post players, okay, what's my job? Okay, I go, if anything, go ball screen something and we're, we're gold. We're in it. Let's go. And um, so, again, just so many different things out of it. And uh, actually, uh, have done some advanced scouting for some uh, WNBA teams in the last several years. Obviously, not this year so far, at least at this juncture, but for a lot of different teams in, the, in WNBA. And 
one of the things that I noticed working for uh, these clubs, when you scout and you're, you know, watching what teams run, the simplicity of the game is so predicated on just fundamental things. They're, they're not running these elaborate play schemes. and it is, it is basic. So much of it is high ball screen or little entries for quick hits, but that's it. It's so much just the basic principles of the game, and I think that's ultimately – you're allowing prof- – they're professionals for a reason. You're allowing them to play. Yeah. And that's, as, as a coach, got to me, you know, how can we get our kids to just go play? You know, let's teach them the game and, and certainly how we want to play. But they've got to learn how to go make plays, you know, ultimately. Yep. And, um, you know, that was a real big advantage. And I think ultimately why we kind of came back to the European thing too. So, And, and it kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier about not just overworking yourself and, and not trying yeah. to put in this super complex, you know, yeah. like this action and this action and you're, you'll drive yourself crazy. Like you're, you're going to go crazy doing that. Yeah. But, well, have, and and, yeah, and early as a as a head coach, that, that had been certainly one of my number one mistakes. I was so excited because I had this play card that probably had seventy different things on it, and the girls probably maybe knew ten of them really well, you know. And now yeah. it's slimmed down quite a bit, and we use what we need. And again, less is more. Let's yeah. just get them to go play instead of overthink. They've got to, they're going to put enough pressure on themselves to play well. You don't need to pile on as a coach to have them have to know a ton of stuff. So right, absolutely agreed. So so with with that, um, you've mentioned about the the green light that the players have and, and and the freedom and the not pass up on open opportunities. So there's a fine line between players who are playing fast versus playing reckless, and also yep. a player who is um, shooting but also a player who's pressing to try and try and get right what, what's what's kind of the philosophy of how you can balance that so it's not going to that reckless or pressing territory but you're still playing at like the pace that you want to yeah well um i think the biggest thing is you know gosh in the girls game girls girls basketball you're going to see them miss more layups than <laughs> than any of us want to you know admit but it's really the reality of the game. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. So, you know, being constructive about, you know, hey, was that the right shot to take there? Of course it was, you know. And so mm-hmm. kind of refocusing their mind frame uh, to, okay, yeah, they missed three in a row, but was it the right shot to take? And if that's the case, that's the bottom line. The law of averages say, hey, if you're taking the right shots, those are going to go in. Uh, shoot you know it's, it's a great connection to year one I you know took Lake Stevens over I'm trying to get to know the girls we are running a secondary break and uh, we had a really good shooter at time it was a sophomore who could really shoot it from three so our secondary break was kind of similar to our template now but throw to head rim run and we would double away with the point guard and trail post player for Mary who was a really good shooter mm-hmm. and so We'd throw it ahead, and we'd always want to go away from her on that initial pass with them, and we could get that double double screen or that stagger. Yeah. We'd throw it ahead. We'd stagger. She'd take a 20-footer top of the arc. She'd miss three in a row. And, you know, she passed one up the fourth time. And I'm like, Mary, you need to take that shot. That's that's your shot. You can. She's like, I've missed three in a row. I go, is that the right shot, though? The, the, we want you taking that with consistency. If it's open, they're going to give it to you. It's got to go up. And so I, that mind frame is, is where you've got to go at it. Now, 
if we've got them right, taking the right shot, where I would go at it from another angle too is, okay, hey, and I tell my daughter, she's starting to play for me now, um, you know, currently Lake Stevens. You know, if she's missed a couple from distance, okay, let's see the ball go through the hoop. Let's get to the rim. You know, let's, let's find a way to get to the basket. And if not get a layup, let's get free throws. Let's see the ball go through the hoop. And then we can come back and, and, and shoot those 20-footers. So just, again, you know, hey, was it the right shot? Okay, then you keep taking it. Or if I've missed a couple, let's get to the rim and not to get them to think about, okay, gosh, I've missed five in a row here. Okay, how can I encourage them in another avenue? Because that's all it is. It's, it's yeah. something that's next play mentality. Are you doing the right things? And, you know, if you are, then we can live with that. It, you're not going to make everything that you take. And there are going to certainly be nights that we struggle. But if you're doing what we're after in terms of the structure that we set up, then we got to live with the consequences, good and or bad. Well, I, I think the mental that that mental aspect is, is so important, and, and reaffirming yep. that what they're doing is is, is the right shot. You know, I, I think we've all been there where we're you know, like you said, with, with, with um, your former players who's passing up on that shot, and it's like yep. you haven't been you, you've been shooting that shot for years. You know, you're gonna give up on it just because you missed a few, and like now you're just you're done shooting it, and yeah, just building no, and I would that say, confidence. Yeah, Go no, ahead. and I would say too is um, with that, you know, that was she's you know who knows tournament number two or something of of getting to know these guys, yeah. but the translation to the season, you know, when we get to the end of the season, you could actually sense from other teams and programs who know kind of what Mary can do when the ball would go ahead and she's coming up a stagger. There's this dread from the other side, like, Oh shoot, that's going like, it's a made basket. And so mm -hmm. only of course is a backbreaker for them kind of knowing what's coming, but it's such a confidence booster for her Yeah, because, Hey, this is a shot I've taken a ton of times. We're comfortable with, and yeah, I mean, again, you're going to deal with not, no one's going to make a hundred percent of their shots that they take, but if you're taking the right ones, we like how you shoot it to make enough that, Hey, this is going to be successful. So. Well, shooting with confidence, it's just, it's just so important. Just shooting with confidence and, and yep. the belief that you're going to go in. It, it's a joke among my girls, but they know I'm serious where I tell them like every, for me personally, every time I shoot the basketball, like I know it's going in, obviously it doesn't, but that's my mentality. And if yep. I, and if I'm, and if I'm shooting around, I miss and I go, go girls I'm like, well, I, I'm going to make the next one. So, yep. you know, and then they kind of joke, but that if you agree with that mentality though, like it, it'll, it'll, it'll help so much. You'll see more go in if you're confident, you know, if you yep. build that confidence and you don't, you definitely don't want your girls to start missing a couple and start thinking about their mechanics or start thinking yep. too much. And, well, you know, <laughs> well, and girls, girls basketball in general, if you want to have success, uh, you got to focus on confidence first, mm -hmm. everything else, if they're it. confident, then, then you're going to be just fine. And that's, that's the A number one, I think in the girls game, I think as coaches that, that you have to focus on, if they're not feeling good about what they're doing, what we're doing, and, and then you're, it doesn't, all the technical stuff not going to matter. Right. You know, you're going to have to focus your interest on that first and foremost, there's no doubt. Agreed. Are you ever finding yourselves in, in situations where you're, you're slowing it down and you're, you're grinding games out, kind of like you talked about some coaches that you've <laughs> been up against before, or is that something you're trying as hard as you can to, like, not be in that position? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it just seems inevitable. You know, you get scouted well enough. Playoff time for sure. Yeah. You know, you're just not going to get that easy stuff that you that you're accustomed to. And so you hope hope to see opponents like that earlier in the season where they kind of force your hand to have to play that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I always reach out to Ken and, and want to play them early because or at some point because they just do such a good job. It, we have to play a little bit differently. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I just always am a big proponent of, and I guess maybe to some degree I'm this way with, with, we call them special teams, but you know, baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds. We always want to score in those scenarios. You know, again, if, if our transition stuff is getting taken away, the stuff that we're so accustomed to is getting taken away, then base out of bounds, side out of bounds, we better be able to score those ways. And then conversely, maybe teams are taking those things away, special teams things away. If we can get a cheap two, three, four baskets trying to just force it down your throat, then we've gotten a cheap two, three, or four baskets because we've tried to force it down your throat every time. Mm -hmm. And that combined with maybe some special team success, those are, you know, I can't tell you how many times those have been the difference in beating a, a team and winning a game, you know, because it was such a grinded out affair. We yeah. still got a few of those easy things in transition quickly. We still got a few of those things on special teams and everything else being equal because we still got a, it, it paid off. And so I, I think as much as we possibly try to, we want to try to play fast and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and um, against, you know, you know, not necessarily as good teams. That's the only way you're going to have to play. You know, you know, you're going to have to slow down to set up anything and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But against, against good ones, you know, you hope to steal a few of those. And so I, I think it's certainly paid dividends more times than not. Well, yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's true that you're going to get in those situations, especially against a good competition where you're, you're grinding it a little bit more, but there will be those yep. opportunities still there. There's yep. going to be that fast break. There is going to be that, you know, baseline out of bounds play. There's going to be those little moments here and there. And you said you, you pick up a couple baskets here and there. Well, if you're grinding it out in a low score yep. game, those couple baskets, you know, the, the, those are going to end up meaning a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and I would say too, where we see maybe some more of that success in that, on that front is when teams have to go to their bench, you know, like mm -hmm. that might be a point of emphasis for us in a timeout. Hey, they're starting to sub in some of their bench players here. And maybe, maybe we haven't been able to really advance the ball up the floor much because, Hey, here's a chance to kind of remind them, let's make sure we're still playing with some tempo here and let's see if we can steal a few easy baskets. And, and, you know, because again, they're just not going to have the experience, maybe not as skilled, not to have as much playing time. Mm -hmm. That might be your window of time to really pick up some cheap opportunities, you know, if you will. So yeah, that that's so true. You know, you're you're in the game at the beginning of that first quarter. You know, just for example, yep. like okay, num you know, number one here on defense doing a great job, like locking us down. Oh well, number five's in right now, so you know we're gonna, right. we're gonna see we're gonna see how she responds or, or what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Just like like it seems like it's like keep poking, you know, keep keep yep. kind of exactly. dealing and going at it, and then yeah. uh, you know find where the cracks are and make the most of them when they happen. Absolutely. Yep, that's exactly it. So uh, to to wrap up here, what I what I want to do, and this is one of my favorite things to do, is talk about um, coach. What is a coaching moment of yours that you think that others listening can learn from? I know there's probably so many you can draw from. So <laughs> oh. what came to mind with that question? Man, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, coaching moment. Well, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is well. The problem is, let's go with my favorite moment. So in 2011, um, we had a pretty young group. And, of course, it was going to be the start of a – or actually, it was right in the middle of a three-year run where we would win three district titles, get to a couple state tournaments, place twice. So a super special group. But we had enough, like, uh, experience and youth kind of mixed in, mixed in there respectively. But we were so undersized. Um, we, and I think I mentioned this earlier, we had like a five, eight and five, nine post players yep. at the time had no yep. business, no business playing in those particular spots. 
Whereas, you know, like shoot, when I got started, you know, we had a, we could roll out four kids that were 5'11 and taller, 5'11, 6'1, 6'3, you know, and then our point guard was like 5'2 or something like that. But, you know, we went through size early and then there was the 2011 through 13 groups where our size was 5'8, 5'9. And then now we've kind of cyclically grown back up. But those groups, just because if I think about like, you know, Megan Warbus was one of those young ladies and Abby Molstreet was another that were just like kind of have that bulldog mentality. Yeah. They knew they were going to be, you know, undersized more times than not, but that didn't slow them down. And we went through a transition, um, man. So 2008, we had five seniors, starters, graduated them. And Megan was a uh, freshman that year. Her sophomore year and Krenberg's sophomore year, that next year, you know, they were it. They were captains as sophomores. And we we took our lumps. We went 9 and 11. And we just got it handled to us at a summer, a, a particular summer um, game by like 30-something. I'd never lost that big with, with a group. And so I had said, hey, this is never happening again. We have an expectation with Lake Stevens girls basketball. I want you to write this score down somewhere where you're going to see it every single day. Cause I, we're, this is never going to happen again. Cause what had happened was we kind of had our own pity party because mm. we, you know, weren't as good as the previous couple of years and we were getting it handed to us. And we kind of just kind of caved in and it just yeah. wasn't what we've been all about. And so it just was never going to happen again. So we get whacked and um, we go down 11 that year. And then this group, you know, 2010, Again, we started one and four, I mentioned, uh, rattle off a bunch, win a district title. And then it just was the start of this, this magical thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things from that 2010 group that parlayed itself into 2011 was um, in 2010, we made it the district playoffs. Um, we get to the final. And our boys team that year actually won district title. But we made our young ladies sit on the bench and watch them cut down the nets and and you could just tell that it was like, man, I want to do that. Yeah. I, I really want to do that. It was so good. So when we play the next game and uh, we end up winning the district title and probably a year ahead of time, because again, 2011, as I'm going to get back to in a second, was really kind of where we took off and blossomed. But we went in 2010, overachieve. And on my way home um, from Jackson High School, which is where it was at, um, one of my players sent me a text message and he said, Coach, um, I wanted to tell you, do you remember that game last summer two or two summers ago where you said, don't forget this score? And she actually sent me a text message with the score of that game because she looked at it every single day to remind her this is never going to happen again. And I had long forgot about it. You know, it was just one of those things in the heat of the moment I, yeah. you know, I said, mm -hmm. but it was like, oh my gosh, how amazing. And then of course it just parlayed itself into 2011 and that group and that group is my best group in terms of we placed fourth, you know, in 2011 and, and Megan and, and Abby just being undersized and kind of that bulldog mentality. It was really kind of the fruition of everything that they committed and just that was our culture. That was our, you know, the face of our program, just of how we were going to play. And when I think about that group and, and just all the pieces that kind of fit into the success, you know, at that juncture and, and the relationships I got with those young ladies and, and then what it would parlay itself into with the Palcoa twins. And I, you just, it's uh, such a special, you just period of time that, uh, that I'll recall fondly for a long, long time. 
Well, it, it, it's amazing. I think that the things that, that you say that stick with them, and even if it's something you say, oh, no like kidding. They yeah. the moment and you're like, oh, when did I say that? But yeah. But yeah. it's such a good reminder too. And that was a great positive example, but it's such a great reminder for, for us to realize that the things that we say, like they hear it and, and they, yep. they, they're paying attention. And so being very careful about, you know, what you say and making sure that you're not saying something that's going to completely derail somebody right. um, and say something, you know, kind of in the way that you did, Your, yours was probably out of a bit of frustration but it was sure. also it was also empowering it was also right like you need to stand for something greater than yep. what what was happening here and, and obviously that meant a lot to her and, and well and she was the she's the perfect kid you know we have at um on campus we have a, a wall of fame for our first team all league players yeah and she's not on that wall of fame she should be in my eyes because of what she meant to our program um and just She's, she was the perfect kid to be able to tell that to because that's exactly how she would have to. And I didn't realize, I mean, I knew eventually what she was going to become, but she was a freshman at the time. Yeah. What, what she ended up becoming, you know, throughout her career, one of, one of my most favorite players ever. And she was the perfect kid to be able to tell that to because yeah. it did. It, it's one of those like, yeah, he's right. This is not going to happen again. And uh, yeah. the rest is history. Awesome. So to, to wrap up, Coach, I want to uh, give you uh, the 60-second soapbox wherever the floor is going to be yours to get any, any final thought, any idea, any, anything you want to reemphasize and, and just leave our listeners with. So the floor is yours, Coach. Yeah. So we had mentioned uh, earlier the whole shot clock thing I think is a big one, you know, across our country and in in advancing the game. I know it's, it's very few and far between in terms of the number of states that have one. I think Oregon um, just passed one, and I think Georgia is in the midst of adding one. The whole cost idea in terms of, you know, the cost to add a shot clock to gyms is absurd. It's yeah. really not that big a deal. But for the sake of advancing the game, I think it's massive, and especially in, the, in terms of the, the girl side of things. Um, I know that in our state, for example, um, not only do we, of course, we have the shot clock, but we're adding 10 seconds in the backcourt as well, mm. which is going to be interesting in the girls' game. That can get, kind of go both ways. But, you know, nationally, I think the shot clock is, is critical. If we really want to see the girls' game progress that much more, and the boys' game for that matter too. I, I can't stand seeing boys' games that are 18 to 12 in the fourth quarter because <laughs> teams are so skilled in the stall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we've, we've got to have that in play because it just adds an element of strategy. It forces you as coaches to have to coach. It, it puts your teams in situations, that, you know, that are going to make them better players. And it's, it's mind boggling that uh, it isn't nationwide. I think, I think it'll happen, but that's, that's one thing I, I hope our coaches, you know, nationally really continue to push. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think we're getting there, and, and like you said, I think the game is just so much more fun to coach. I think it's more sure. fun to watch. It's just For more sure. fun to be a part of when it's not stall ball and right. You know, the, the the players are playing, the coaches are coaching, and you know things are happening. Right, makes a lot Agreed. of sense. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank you again. This is a this is a great conversation. I think there there's a lot that we can take from it and reflect on, and and especially love that we talked about it in the context of the girls game too where we traditionally don't think of it as a fast-paced game but clearly um, it is able to happen and there are mm -hmm. things that you can do in order to make it happen so coach Edens I want to thank you again uh, for spending some time talking to us about that and good luck this season hey thanks so much I uh, appreciate you having me on it's it's always fun talking hoops and uh, I wish you the best of luck next season as well
Greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.